How's it going, guys? And good evening. We have made it to the last episode of October. Hard to believe it's coming on this fast already. Rip roaring toward the middle of the NFL season. Week 7 in the books. What's going to happen in week 8? Can't wait to find out and discuss all of it. This is the ESA with Buck and Ben. What's up, guys? Welcome in. This is the ESA. We are the Illicit Sports Authority. Unfortunately, your boy is riding solo today. Buck has some matters he has to attend to. Going to try to hold this one down. Plenty to talk about. And I'm ready to get into it. Got a big week eight coming up. Bucks and Bills. Thursday night football. That's tomorrow night. But there was a ton to talk about in week seven. Only two teams... Only two teams have one or fewer losses. 30 of the teams in the NFL have two or more losses. Parity around the league. We'll get into all of it. First things first, obviously, Ben's first and 10. What I want to get off my chest. Here we go. Number one. I am so tired. First of all, let me just say. I usually start number one with some sort of anecdotal story, use an analogy, tie it in all together. I'm going to get right to the point here. I am so tired of people complaining about the Eagles QB sneak. Just so tired of it. You can call it the tush push. I'm going to call it the brotherly shove. I don't care what you call it. You can't do it like them. Okay. Listen, there's one I don't want to hear about safety. I don't want to hear about safety. Okay? Because the same people that are complaining about this play are the same people that I hear from uh, them saying, the game's getting too soft. That wasn't a damn rough in the passer. Let them play ball. Who cares if they have a concussion? Throw them out on the field. So don't tell me about safety when you're complaining about this play. Because the same guys call this league soft now. And the player soft. So don't talk about safety. You obviously aren't for safety. Okay? So what is it? Is it that your favorite team can't execute it as properly? Is it that your favorite team doesn't have a 93% success rate with it? Is it that your favorite quarterback doesn't squat 600 pounds? Is it that your favorite center and the rest of the offensive line aren't loaded with Hall of Famers all across the board? What's the problem exactly? That the Eagles are better at it than everybody else? I've seen people try it. I've seen people get hurt. Brock Purdy, hell, he's in concussion protocol because of it. I see linemen go down. I see the play get blown up, pushed backwards. I've seen it get stopped. All different iterations of the same play that Philadelphia does. I mentioned the squatting from Jalen Hurts. I mentioned Jason Kelsey, future Hall of Famer, in the middle. Hell. Did you ever think the Eagles practice that play? They execute it more properly. Than everybody else. They 
have better timing with it than everybody else. They know where to line up with it better than everybody else. Their skill position players are a huge integral part of it more than everybody else. I am so tired of hearing everyone complain about this play. The QB sneak's been around forever. You've been able to push an offensive player from behind uh, for damn near two decades now, okay? It doesn't need to leave the league because your favorite team doesn't do it as well. Number two. As bad as they seem at times, and they, they're trending in the right direction, but as bad as they have seemed this year, uh, the Jets got through their opening six-week gauntlet at 3-3, three and three, which, even with Aaron Rodgers, was about the best-case scenario, in my opinion. So, the fact that they're 3-3 three and three without Aaron Rodgers, I think, should give them some confidence moving forward. You got some winnable games coming up, okay? Three teams in a row with a losing record currently. And uh, win two of the next three, you could be arriving in Buffalo week 11 at Orchard Park. Against a team you beat in week one, you could be arriving there with a winning record. You grab a couple of those dubs. Three and three right now could very well be five and four going in to Buffalo. I think if you're five and four going in there, even if you lose, get to five and five, that is a win for the first ten first ten games of the season, especially with Zach Wilson and a banged up team everywhere. Say what you will about Salah. He's shown some coaching chops this year for sure. That that is for sure. Number three. As the season has started to progress, Baker and the Bucks look more and more like we thought. Here's the thing. He got off to a hot start. People wanted to anoint his career a comeback. Comeback player of the year, potentially. Okay? Putting up some good numbers. Buccaneers surprisingly winning games. I get all of that. Here's the thing. We've seen this before. I imagine we'll see it again until the man's career is over. Okay? This is what Baker does and players like him. Get out to a hot start. Give you hope. Make you believe. And they've lost two in a row. And he's increasingly looking more and more like himself. And I don't see a win against Buffalo tomorrow night. And the division's going to only get tougher. And Baker will be Baker. Here's the thing. Good guy. Don't wish any ill will on him. But we've seen this for six years now. Bucks got off to a good start playing above, you know, outkicking their coverage, so to speak, throughout the first four. Three and three, lose to Buffalo, make it three and four. That's where they're at. That, that, that's the record the team is a seven and 10 team. Baker's a seven and 10 quarterback. Rashad White's a 7-10 running back. Todd Bowles, 7-10 coach. At this point in his career, Mike Evans, maybe not 7-10 receiver, but he's not an elite guy anymore, although he is making plays still. But it's just there's not enough juice there, especially with the walk-on from Oklahoma. 
in that quarterback. Good story, but uh, more of the same story in the last half decade. Number four. The Cleveland Browns contract given to Deshaun Watson looks more and more terrible by the week. Okay. Let's not even talk about Deshaun for a second. Okay. We know his transgressions off the field. We know his poor performance on the field. Okay. We know about the injury lingering thing. He tried to play last week. Got slammed down, didn't come back in the game. Let's not talk about all of that. Let's talk about PJ Walker for a second. Bounced around the league, been in the XFL, been in the AAF. I mean, been around the block. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play in the Canadian Football League at some point. But he's coming in and... He's not lighting the world on fire. He's not putting up great numbers. He'll make turnovers, turnovers at times. But he's he's putting this team in a position to win games, okay? This team has such a good roster. And they're paying a average quarterback, 245 large, guaranteed. Okay? 100% of it. Imagine if they were just paying P.J. Walker and could load up even more talent elsewhere. Now, I don't think P.J. Walker can get you to the promised land. I don't think that. But what if you drafted a quarterback that you were that you could have on a rookie deal for four years? I, I know you grabbed Walker. I'm sorry. I know you grabbed Watson. Uh, to replace Baker, you wanted to make the splash move, thought you were a quarterback away, needed a superstar at the position. I get all of that. He hasn't delivered. How much longer are you going to ride your mistake? Uh, you're going to be in cap hell regardless. Might as well cut your ties with him as soon as you can. May not be this year. You're not moving that contract to a different team. You're going to just have to get off of it, swallow the dead cap. And uh, move forward from there. But you might want to start that process as soon as possible. That would be my two cents on the matter. Deshaun Watson. You know, bright, bright future four years ago. But, um, you know, a lot of things were different four years ago. A lot of things. It's, It's a fast moving league. There's a deep quarterback class in this draft. Deshaun maybe need need to look over his shoulder here pretty soon. Now, he's going to get the bag regardless, but as a franchise, if you want to get out of this hell, got to move off of him, swallow that cap, draft you a guy, and uh, try to ride that rookie contract along with the rest of that talented roster, see what you can do. I think that's the best way for Cleveland moving forward. Probably move the coach, too, if I had to guess. Number five. Speaking of struggling starting quarterbacks out because of injury... How about Tyson Bajan? Kid from D2 coming in, giving the Bears much needed life. Uh, honestly, he dominated the Raiders. That was exactly what the Bears needed. And and I'm, I'm thinking they're coming out of this game wondering, why can't Justin just do that? 
Why can't Justin just do that? Tyson Bajan, 21 to 29, 162 a touch. Had some quality third down runs for first downs as well. Controlled. You know, they had the training wheels on him, high percentage throws for sure. But he delivered. I mean, this is what they've been trying to do with fields too, with with high percentage throws. And he sometimes doesn't even deliver those. Bajan. Congrats, man. Good job. Looked a little feisty out there. Looked fiery. The guys seemed like they were responding to his leadership. Made some, like I said, some some quality plays. Not just in the stat sheet, but to extend drives. Fit some tight NFL throws in there to DJ Moore and company. Solid game. Looks like he'll get the start here uh, moving forward. Don't know how bad the thumb is for fields. But if I'm the Bears... I'm probably rolling with Bajan here. And if I'm uh, Justin Fields, I am trying to get back as quickly as possible. Try to garner some sort of value around the league because uh, it's obvious more and more each day, more and more obvious. You're not going to be in Chicago next year, Justin. So get back as soon as you can. Put some tape out there for other teams if you want to secure yourself with uh, another contract here. In 2024 and beyond. Number six. You can say what you will about this man. But he wins football games. Week in and week out. And year in and year out. Okay. Mike Tomlin. Gets the most out of his teams. Has his entire career. Do you. I mean. Does anyone look at. The Steelers and think. That's a four and two team. No, you, you don't look at the quarterback and think that. You don't look at the inconsistent offensive line and running game and think that. Defensively, man, they make a lot of highlighted plays, but they also give up a lot defensively. But TJ Watt, best in the game for my money at that position. Minka Fitzpatrick in the back end, one of the elite safeties. Some solid linebackers, Joey Porter Jr. on the outside, uh, you know, getting some reps, not full-time starter, but doing what he can. But but Kenny Pickett is not looking that great. And so we talk about this all the time. It's a quarterback league. When the quarterback isn't looking that great and you have some stars elsewhere, you're not going to be a good team. You're not going to have a good record. But... Mike Tomlin has been that that key ingredient all these years. Maybe not a great record. Maybe not a great track record in the last decade, playoff-wise. I understand all that. He wins you games. He gets there. He gives you chances. Can you get him some help in the trenches? You know? I mean, maybe he needs to fire Matt Canada. That That's fair. That's fair. If that's his complete call, he needs to get rid of him. But just on a macro level, Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches of this era. And again, Steelers aren't looking great. You look up at the record, they're half a game out in the AFC North. Number seven. It is time for Justin Herbert to put up or shut up. Okay. 
my one of my favorite players in the NFL. But you got to win some games for your team, man. You got to. You got to come out of some of these highly anticipated big-time matchups with a couple W's, okay? All your counterparts already have. Mahomes, we know about him, right, on a different level. Burrow, he's got plenty of big W's. Say what you will about Burrow. Got plenty of big W's. Say what you will about Josh Allen. Got plenty of big W's. Jalen Hurts. Got some big W's. Tua. Even Tua has some big W's. Bigger than Hurts. Maybe not you know, bigger than the other ones, but bigger than Hurts. Okay? Justin, you have a howitzer of an arm. An athletic freak, prototyp- prototypical athlete. Good kid. Biology major. Four-point student. You know, this is the kind of guy you want to be a franchise quarterback. I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying he shouldn't be a franchise quarterback or he isn't a franchise quarterback, but I am saying he needs to start turning some of these good stats, turning some of these good qualities into W's in the win column. Okay? You can blame the coach if you want, but I've seen this with different coaches now. I've seen this with different offensive coordinators. You got to get that W against the Chiefs, or at least keep it closer than two touchdowns. You have in the past, and that's what's concerning to me. It seems like sometimes you're going backwards, Justin, Justin, or at least staying stagnant. That's no good. Got to be moving forward. All the counterparts in the AFC and NFC, and all your peers are moving forward, you got to do the same here pretty soon. Number eight, Derek Carr is the problem for New Orleans. The problem, the biggest problem is Derek Carr. And I watched him this past Thursday night, first game of week seven, yell and scream and complain at all his teammates. Given an earful to Chris Olave. Threw a, threw a pass that was uncatchable. Five yards outside the sideline. Gives an earful to Olave. Getting in Michael Thomas's ear. Talking trash to Kamara. These are star position players. You're a meddling quarterback. Okay? You are a leader. I get it. But he acknowledged, and, and I think we can all agree, it was over the line. It was too much. Especially for your poor play. You're the biggest problem for New Orleans struggles struggles right now. I picked New Orleans to grab the number two seed in the NFC. Okay. I did. I I, I thought they could be a 13 win team. 12 win team. I'm not thinking that anymore. In fact, uh they're going to be in a fight to the end to the win of division that they should easily win. But why is it close? Because the quarterback play, like it always boils down to. I mean, you have four quarterbacks that are pretty even. And that's why you have four records that are pretty even. Derek Carr was supposed to be the difference maker in that division. 
especially compared to those other guys, he hasn't been. And uh, I think Derek Carr is the main concern for New Orleans going forward, especially if he can't control his temper on the sideline when he should probably, probably be looking inward. Derek, grab a mirror. Uh, New Orleans, Orleans needs you to be a leader, not a bully, especially when you're causing more of the problem than anyone. Number nine, I asked you guys to pump the brakes a little on Brock Purdy. I asked nicely, and you guys didn't want to listen. Okay. Crowning him top 10, top five, I heard. From some people. Elites. I heard that term tossed around. Um, Let's talk about his last two weeks real quick. Uh, against Cleveland. In Cleveland. Sure, I'll give you that good defense. And then at home. Off a loss against the Minnesota Vikings. Let's talk about these stats. 33 of 57. Not terrible. Percentage. 397. Okay. Two touch. Downs, three interceptions. All three interceptions in the fourth quarter. One pick uh, in against the Browns when he had a pretty bad game overall. Only barely got over 100 yards passing late in the fourth quarter. Did drive him down late. Got him in within field goal range. But that game shouldn't have been close. Purdy, you know, Purdy was the reason they were held back in that game. Okay. Now, this one, this, this one against Minnesota, Monday Night Football, Purdy was the main reason the 49ers lost this game. We got to call a spade a spade. I mean, you have him where you want him defensively. I mean, yeah, defense wasn't great, but man, they weren't, they were on the field a ton. They've been on the field a ton these past two weeks. You know, you got all your weapons except Debo. You got plenty of guys. Can't blame Debo being out for this performance. You completed a lot of short passes to get into the fourth quarter. And then you throw two interceptions on back-to-back drives when you need, what, five points to take the lead? Six points to take the lead? And then eight points to take the lead or, or to tie? That's bad football. That is that is not only is that not winning the game, that is actively losing the game in this one. Let's pump the brakes on Brock Purdy for a little bit if y'all don't mind, okay? Good kid. Potentially a good future ahead of him. He's not even a top 15 quarterback. After watching those two performances, I want to bring them up to the top 10. I drank some of the Kool-Aid like the rest of you, but I've been saying for most of this time, pump the brakes. Let's see what happens when things aren't going his way. And so far, in the two games I've seen things not go his way, he's 0-2. Really, three if you want to count the NFC Championship game last year. 0-3 when things don't go his way. He has not elevated a team put a team on his back and won them a game without a Debo, without a McCaffrey in the second half. 
Hell, McCaffrey was great against the Vikings. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Minnesota grabs that dub. 17 points in back-to-back weeks for the 49ers high-powered offense. Rock Purdy. Going to continue to steer that ship, but pump the brakes on calling him special, elite, top 10. The man is ordinary and uh, looking more and more like Jimmy G by the day. Number 10. This is a week-to-week league. It's it's crazy how it works. In fact, I want to talk about divisional games specifically, and I want to talk about divisional game upsets. It's, in fact, there's been at least one divisional game upset where the favorite was the favorite by at least three points. Okay, at least a three-point favorite has gone down in the division each week this year, except week six. Okay. Week six, there's only four divisional games all all week, so not a large sample size to go off of, but every other week there's been one. Week one, Raiders at Broncos, minus three-point favorite. Week two, Ravens go into Cincinnati. Bengals were favorites by three and a half. Ravens handled them. Week three, Texans smoked the Jags. Jags were seven and a half point favorites. Texans win by three touchdowns, I believe. CJ Stroud goes off. Week four, Buccaneers at the Saints. Buccaneers handle the Saints in that one. Mayfield gets the best of Derek Carr. Saints were a four and a half point favorite there. Week five, Ravens go to the Steelers. Steelers were a four and a half point underdog at home, and they ended up winning that game. Ravens look pretty bad. Lamar looked like Lamar against the Steelers. The only week it didn't happen was number six, but there was a big upset in number six. Eagles go to MetLife Stadium and play the Jets. Jets were six and a half point dogs. Jets take the W outright in that one. And numbers in week seven, Bills at the Patriots. Patriots were seven and a half point dogs. Bills lose by six points. Mac Jones to Mike Gesicki late. The worst gritty in football. It was a beautiful thing. So... That tells me that we're going to see a divisional collapse this week. There are two that I'm highlighting that could very well be that. Now, one of them is the Patriots going into Miami. Miami's nine-point favorites. Okay, nine-point favorites at home, coming off a loss. You would think that they should win this game fairly easily. Patriots coming off a win. I do think Dolphins get this one, but just be careful on it. Just watch it. Just watch it. But I think a more a more likely scenario, and I hate to say this, but I think a, the most likely divisional dog by at least three points to win would be the Commanders at home against the Eagles. Eagles coming off a physical game against the Dolphins and more injuries coming out of that one. Commanders always played the Eagles close. They're at home this time. Uh, it, it went to overtime in Lincoln Financial earlier this year. Commanders are six and a half point dogs. I definitely would take the Commanders uh, on the spread to cover that, keep it within six points or less. But I think Commanders definitely have a chance to win outright. I know it pains me to say it, but you know what they call me, unbiased Ben. And uh, I do think the Eagles 
going into Washington have the best chance to be upset as a divisional favorite by at least three points. It's happened in every game except every week except one. More of the same could be in store for week eight. I hope not, but history is not in our favor. That is Ben's first and ten. Rolling right along, bailing that water out, baby. Bailing it out. Let's get into my top five teams. And there is a little bit of shuffling at the top this time. A little bit of shuffling at the top. Last two weeks in a row, we had, in order from five to one, we had the Lions, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the 49ers. Let's start with number five. This week, going into week eight, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens at number five, narrowly edging out the Lions via the head-to-head matchup victory this past week when they, let's be honest, handled the Vikings from start to finish. Lamar Jackson, one of his best games as a pro. Got to put the Ravens ahead of the Lions for that reason, head-to-head, but also, if Lamar rounds into form, Odell looked good. Bateman was in there. Zay Flowers looks good. Mark Andrews had two touchdowns. Gus Edwards running the ball. I mean, Mark or Lamar Jackson running the ball, along with throwing it to all those weapons. If he can be in that type of form, this is going to be a tough team to beat. Defensively, I don't love them like I have in previous years. But, man, this is the top five team in football. Five and two. Very well could be six and one. But I you know, Lamar's looked pretty good in, in the two games he has and they've lost. In the five games where he's played fairly well, they're they're gonna get the W. I mean, they're gonna win a lot of games. I was a little lower on this team coming into the year, but they look like the division favorite in the north. A lot of football left. I get it. Ten more games for these teams. Eleven for some, but The Ravens are a top five team to my eye right now. Number four is the Dolphins. Now, they're going to stick right at four. Their loss to the Eagles doesn't drop them down to me. Still five and two. I I do worry about... Even though they can run the ball and pass the ball, I get that they were going into that game against the Eagles Sunday night football. I get they were first in both categories. But even them being first in both categories, they are still, in my opinion, one-dimensional. Okay, What I mean by that is they can only win one way. They're not going to win a physical, defensive, come-from-behind victory. That, that, that's just not what they're built for. They can only win a track meet. If you want to race them in a sprint, you want to go 4 by 100 against these guys? They're going to dust you, leave you in the dust. Devon Achan is not even playing. Doesn't matter. Mostert banged up. Put someone else in there. Hill goes out, limps out. Wad bring Waddle back in. He can do the same thing. Got some speedsters. Can win a track meet. Can put up fantasy points. The whole team can eat in fantasy. Trust me, I've seen it. But that's the one dimension they can win. They're not going to win a physical game. When you bring a team like the Eagles, physical, tough, 
quarterback's going to run through you. Defensive line's going to tackle you, get you on the ground, pressure you all night. You're not going to win that game. We saw it with the Bills as well when they faced them. Lost by almost 30 to the Bills. The Dolphins are a great team. They are a top five team. I still have them at number four, have have for weeks, but you got to start winning some of these bigger games to move up further in these tiers and uh, to be considered seriously a threat in the AFC and in the NFL. Uh, number three is the 49ers. They're going to drop. They're going to drop. It's two losses in a row. Okay. And I said it. A question mark is quarterback. Question mark is head coach. You can't be in the number one spot when I have question marks about the coach and the quarterback. You can't be number one. Got to move you down. Look good. Dominating teams. And then, of course, Purdy finally figures out that He's essentially a rookie in the second half of the season. Which is fine. Which is fine. I get it. I'm not saying his career's over or anything, but I'm just putting him in the category where he should have been put by everybody all along, which is mediocre, average, mundane, game manager. I'm just putting him in those categories because that truly is where he belongs in those categories. Okay, so with that question mark at quarterback and with the question mark at head coach, because there were some questionable coaching decisions against the Browns and the Vikings, you get you can't put him any higher than three. I With all that talent on the team, I still got to keep him at three, but can't put him any higher right now until I see them get back on track See them start to roll again. It's easy going downhill. Easy going downhill. Do you have a team that could play uphill? I don't know if the 49ers do at quarterback specifically. Number two is going to be the Eagles. Going to sit right there at number two. Good win against the Dolphins. Physically impose their will all night. Don't give me any of this nonsense about the refs. Don't want to hear it. Do not want to hear it. They made two bad calls. I will give you that. Two flags, or one flag the Eagles should have received, and one flag the Eagles should not have received in terms of that roughing the passer that gave the Eagles a first down in the in the first half. Um, so those were the two worst calls. And then there was also a call that no one's talking about that went against the Eagles when they called the Eagles offsides offensively on that on one of the quarterback sneaks. Uh, when in fact the Eagles were definitely not offsides offense, offensively, only the Dolphins were offsides. So uh, no one's talking about that, obviously, because you want to have a conspiracy. Get a life, get a life, get out of your mom's basement and get a life. Honestly, I mean, the game's not crooked. There's not Eagles fans calling the game in stripes. Get get a life, man. Uh, anyway. Eagles won in all three phases. Offense, defense, special teams. Handled Dolphins from start to finish. Held Tyreek Hill in check. Held Waddle in check. Held Mostert in check. Held Tua in check. 
held Mike McDaniel in check. Eagles are number two, number one. Back to number one, the KC Chiefs. Here's the thing. Um, Chiefs are starting to look like the Super Bowl champ Chiefs. Bring in McCole Hardman. He has a big play immediately. Punt return that got him into the position late. Beat a division rival by two touchdowns. Six and one. Six straight dubs. Travis Kelsey having the games of his life lately. Mahomes looking like Mahomes. 420. Four tuts. I mean, that is a recipe for success. I said, you can't put 49ers any higher because I have question marks at quarterback and coach. Well, obviously, in Kansas City, there are no question marks at quarterback or at coach. Got to have the Chiefs at the number one spots. That is my top five. I got Ravens, Dolphins, 49ers, Eagles, and Chiefs, five through one. And... I know Buck would disagree with some of this, and I, I can't wait to hear about it on the next episode. Um, but, you know, while you're not here, man, I just got to say, you better come hard with the nonsense because that's what you're going to need to to uh, win some of these arguments. I, I would like to hear what you have to say about Brock Purdy now. I would like to hear it. I would like to hear where you have the Chiefs, because I doubt it's one. But, hey, hey, man, it's all in good fun. All in good fun. You've uh, been right before once or twice. So I'm going to go ahead and take my minute in the sunshine. Don't want to overreact, but we are starting to see Purdy regress back toward the mean of mediocrity. Let's get in. To some prize picks. My pick six for the week. Now, I went in actually. I've done I've done three pick sixes now so far uh, on the year, and I am currently eleven and seven. Eleven and seven on uh, hits and then misses. So we're gonna keep that theme throughout the year. Um, just to see, you know, kind of hold myself accountable, seeing where I'm at. Obviously, don't need to play all six at one time. You can if you're feeling risky, but that is absolutely a major risk. Play two, play three of your favorite ones. But I'll get into my six. Like I said, currently 11 and seven. We'll keep track as the year goes on. Uh, Starting with Jalen Hurts, over 254 and a half pass yards against the Commanders. Listen, he's been over this number five straight weeks. They're a passing team. They're, they're a passing team that can run run the ball for 180 yards a game. But they're a passing team. Everything revolves around the play action. Jalen Hurts, well over 300 yards in multiple games against the, the commanders in his career, uh, including a game a couple weeks ago against them. I see a, a high-scoring game again. Like I said, commanders can come out there and punch the Eagles in the mouth, but they're not going to stop our offense, so... I do think Jalen Hurts can go out there, definitely put up 255 passing yards or more. A couple bombs to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and the gang. Give me Jalen over 254.5 against the Commanders. Tyson Bajan, 203.5 pass yards. Give me that over against 
the Los Angeles Chargers. Listen, they're going to be careful and they're going to be high percentage with his throws. But against the Chargers, that could absolutely roll for, for 204 yards or more. I mean, if he's going to throw 30 times against the Chargers, he's going to get 200 yards. The running game is still up in the air. Yeah, you got Foreman, but the Chargers run defense is a little better than the, the Raiders was. I can absolutely see in Bajent, uh expound on that, that first performance with another strong one. Who knows about the win or loss, but I do know he'll be throwing the ball quite a bit. Looked proficient in it last week. I think he'll do the same this week. 204 or more is what he needs for pass yards. I think he can definitely get that. Levante David, Thursday night. Over eight and a half tackles and assists versus the Buffalo Bills. He's a tackling machine. Bills throw the ball over the middle quite a bit. Going to try to get Kincaid involved over the middle. James Cook's going to run it. Uh, Josh Allen would probably take a sack or two. Levante David will be a part of all of those plays. Eight and a half tackles and assists. Give me the over on that. Uh, I think 10 plus is definitely reachable, uh, even likely. I like Brandon Aubrey over a field goal and a half against the Los Angeles Rams. Rams give up a ton of field goals. Um, and the Cowboys kick a ton of field goals. On top of that, Brandon Aubrey, rookie kicker, has uh, looked very good, very confident. Mike McCarthy is conservative. You know, Cowboys do move the ball, but don't have a good red zone offense. So, and and the Rams allow the ball to be moved on them, but they have a good red zone defense. So, I do see two made field goals. I see a, a number of attempts and at least two of those makes for Brandon Aubrey. Travis Etienne's been a touchdown machine. Give me the over again. Uh, over 0.5 pass rush and receiving touchdowns for Etienne. Basically, anytime touchdown scorer is another way you can say that. I like it. Against Pittsburgh, um, they give up rushing touchdowns. That's what they do. Uh, the Jags will throw it to Etienne. They'll also run it with him. I do think that is a, a very good likelihood that he gets another touchdown been getting them left and right it's the offense is starting to more and more run through him and christian kirk so uh look for them to get etn involved early and often against the steelers and the last one adam Thielen over 65 and a half receiving yards against houston he's been over 100 three of the last four houston doesn't really have a, a number one corner to just hold him down uh bryce young's favorite target Rookie versus rookie matchup could be a high-scoring affair or at least a, a one where they move the ball up and down the field. Both teams do. Thielen's uh, just a veteran that puts up numbers, does it quietly. I think 65.5 is, is still way too low here. I, I like him for 80-plus against the Houston Texans. And, you know, if, if the number stays around there consistently, I think you just lock this one in and, and load it in for the remaining weeks until they move him up closer to 75, 80. Uh, because this is this is the guy uh, Bryce Young trusts. And when a rookie trusts somebody, he goes to them early and often. Those are my six pick six press picks. And that's going to wrap us up. For the most part, I don't I don't have any bets. I don't have uh, daily fantasy. Apologize for that. 
you know, I took taking a little break from some bets and daily fantasy, trying to focus on prize picks. I do really enjoy the gameplay. You know, Buck is out of us, out of Buck and myself. Buck's the gambler. Uh, he is bet definitely better at the art of it than I am. You know, he'll he'll use different sites, he'll shop around, FanDuel Sportsbook, DraftKings Sportsbook. You know, prize picks, different different stuff. He's got his hand in all the pots, different sports in those pots. Um, and he's good at it, and he does well. My philosophy is more to keep it, keep all my money in whatever things working best for me percentage-wise, and prize picks are just absolutely more reliable for me than FanDuel, DraftKings, the sports books, you know. So... All that to say, I'm not going to have any bets or daily fantasy. We do apologize for that. But I'm sure Buck gets back. He'll have some fire to make up for this. He usually brings it. But these prize picks, I'm feeling good about this pick six. Maybe not take, maybe don't take all of them, but you can find your best four in here and t- 10 times your money. You know, make a little change on Sunday. Make a little change on Sunday. Starts tomorrow night with the Levante David pick, but uh, make some change. I'm liking some of these for sure. You want to get them wob- before they change because they will change throughout the week. Some of these numbers. Uh, Bajent, think he hits that one easily. Love the Hertz one, and ETN touchdown seems fairly safe. So Levante David always around the ball defensively. Loving some of those picks. Well, I appreciate you guys listening in. Um, try to try to do the best I can. Hold it down. We'll see you guys soon. Can't wait for week eight. Starts tomorrow night. Bucks and Bills. After that, you got a solid slate coming up. Finishes with the Lions and the Raiders on Monday Night Football. That will bring us into week nine. The next time we talk to you guys, it will be November. Man, we're rolling right through this year. But thank you guys for listening in. Remember to give that feedback. Let us know what we need to change. Let us know what we're doing well. We thrive on your feedback. And we appreciate all of it. Appreciate all the listens, all the views. Can't wait to do it next time. This has been the ESA with Buck and Ben.